morning, good morning. I hope everybody is having a fabulous day. Fabulous day. Uh, Cinco de Mayo was last week. Hope everybody had a good weekend with that. And today is Monday, uh, May 8th, May 8th. So we are counting down to the end of session. And um, we have two weeks left. Woo! A lot of stuff's gonna be going on. A lot of stuff is going to be going on. Let me log right into my um, account here. As you know, I have to get my computer up and running here. Uh, I have a laptop and I have a computer and uh, I have to get them both up and running after, uh, well, obviously my computer's running because I'm Zooming with you right now, but I have to get my laptop online so that we can um, so I can see the comments if, if anybody comments on the Facebook page. So uh, it just takes one moment for me to get this up and running once the Facebook Live starts. So my apologies for that. But today, today we are going to Springfield. So as I said, we start the last two weeks, Monday, we are scheduled all week this week, Monday through May 19th. So I'm um, going to have limited time back home. If we do go back home, it most likely will be like a day, maybe Saturday or you know, Sunday, and then I'll be back. Um, a lot of things to wrap up this these last two weeks. So working with regards to that as well. So uh, good morning to Cheryl and Bob. Thanks for coming on board to our Facebook Live. Really appreciate that. So let me launch this really quick. And um, yeah. there we go. So um, hope everybody is having a fabulous day, like I said. So because we are heading out to Springfield today, I got my big travel mug, my little cat, uh, cat coffee there, and uh, getting in the car and cruising right off. Uh, this past weekend was also Wine on the Fox in uh, downtown Oswego. I hope a lot of people enjoyed that as well with regards to um, just enjoying the weather. The weather was just fabulous. Um, so what's going on in Springfield? That's what you're tuning in for. Get a Springfield update. So we both met last week, the Senate and the House. The Senate stayed in one extra day than the House. We were adjourned on Thursday and the Senate adjourned on Friday. So we're set, as I said, to meet over the next two weeks, straight until May 19th. Hopefully we'll get everything done in May 19th. In the past, it hasn't been unusual uh, to go a day or two sometimes to uh, straighten things up. So it can be, it can certainly be, certainly be a little bit over, but hopefully not. We have deadlines. I talk about deadlines all the time. The deadlines to pass bills remaining in the Senate is May 11th. May 12th is the House. So we have to pass the bills that the Senate sent us in the, in the, um, in the House, we got to send it back to the Senate for concurrence, or we got to send it out to the governor's office for signage. So what are we doing with regards to uh, some other bills? So we passed a total of 56 bills, um, a total of 56 bills in the House, 10 bills in the Senate. They passed both chambers and will go to the governor for signature. Now, the governor already signed one. The governor has 60 days to sign a bill. Doesn't mean he's going to sign it the first day, but he can wait until the 60th day. If he doesn't sign it within 60 days, it becomes law. The governor decided to sign a bill already. Uh, it was related to several, several COVID-19 issues that need to be uh, finished up on May 11th. So we did that. 
the Senate does what's called a agreed bill list. Now the House did that last year, the last session actually. And if, if bills are agreed unanimous, everybody thinks that they are um, non-controversial, technical bills, uh, cleanup bills, those kind of things. We had an agreed bill last year. So pretty much it went on the agreed calendar. If anybody opposed to a building on the agreed calendar, then we would take it off the agreed calendar and go to a roll call vote. This year, uh, when we were deciding the rules of the House, the um, minority party, members of the Republican Party, did not like that process and requested that it would be removed from, from being an op option in the rules. So uh, this House uh, has to vote on every single bill, um, roll call vote. We do not have an agreed bill list. The Senate actually has had an agreed bill list for quite a while. Uh, the Senate released their agreed bill list with 107 House bills that will likely move sometimes uh, this week. So, or, uh, so uh, definitely that's a little bit quicker, a little bit more efficient, but, um, but nonetheless, we're passing bills. So what are we working on these next two weeks? Obviously the budget, the budget, the budget, the budget. Uh, the budget, um, we continue to have budget committee hearings. As I said, this is the first time in 10 years I'm not on a budget committee, I'm on the revenue committee. Uh, still an important subject that pertains to the budget. Uh, and then we have a smaller group of the chairs of those committees that work to uh, relay what their committee work is doing uh, overall. So they all continue to meet the chairs of the budget committee. And they're working through all the, the different line items that uh, are in the budget. And um, and both chambers, the House and Senate, have had budget meetings uh, as well. So last week, uh, the Commission of Government Forecasting and Accountability adjusted the revenues. I might have talked about this last week, um, but uh, about how COGFA, COGFA releases numbers, and then GOMB, Governor of, uh, Governor's Office of Management and Budget, and so COGFA adjusted the revenues for our current year, FY23, uh, because we looked at our April receipts and they fell $1.84 billion compared to April of 2022, largely due to reductions in personal income taxes and corporate income taxes. Um, so individual income taxes weren't expected to be as high as last year. The decline is a little bit greater than anticipated and erased um, nor a lot of a lot of the surplus that we saw in 2024. Um, so our fiscal year 2023, which uh, so now we're looking at 2024. So my apologies. So it, it reduced some of the surpluses that we saw in in fiscal year 2023. Um, so uh, what we're looking at is is COGFA made an adjustment. So so just to give you some some context here, and I apologize for me, but the receipts. We're down 1.844 billion, and and I know that that might sound money to the state, but that's not that's the receipts. That's the total total amount of receipts that came in. Um, so that's 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 huge that what we're receiving. And but when when we're looking overall, um, we're looking at at a downward adjustment of 720 million. So, um. What we're looking at is, is when we look at April 22 numbers uh, for fiscal year 23, and then we have to look for fiscal year 24, and CAGFA adjusted those numbers um, down about 728 million. Those are our forecasted numbers for FY24. Um, so, but keep in mind that what we're working on in our budget work 
we're working on a budget work. Our numbers that were from um, GOMB, the Governor's Office of Management and Budget. And so they were very, very conservative in their revenue projections. They had been projecting a much lower number than COGFA, uh, the Commission on Government Forecasting and Accountability. So it's not them adjusting the numbers down is not hitting our budget process that much because we were already anticipating lower revenues. And um, so it's it's not really making making the, that huge of addition uh, of a difference because we're already being very, very uh, cautious for lack of a better word, knowing that the numbers we'd seen in the past with the federal stimulus money coming in weren't gonna last. And so um, we, we were not surprised at all with regards to that. Um, so uh, also, as I just said, federal aid, federal emergency orders, they all expire on May 11th. So any additional aid we got from the emergency orders on the federal level and any um, additional money we got, when we generate an emergency order, then that triggers additional funding and support from the federal government. Those all expire on May 11th. So many programs that are funded by these federal relief dollars, which um, which were very useful and we, we definitely needed them. Most of these monies were now uh, going to be, uh, pretty much we won't have them anymore. So that's, uh, that's pretty much what we're doing as well. So we're working on that. The governor's office of management budget said most of the federal aid went toward one-time expenditures, such as paying down date, debt and to the rainy day fund and following the rules that were prescribed to us by the federal government. Uh, with expenses pertaining to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so we're still looking at um, providing healthcare, housing, and transportation for asylum seekers. We talked about that last week. And we are looking at um, other programs that we can help and expanding programs to help uh, all the individuals that are coming in with the asylum seekers, those that are um, ineligible for Medicaid at this point in time. There's been a, a nuance that talks about um, individuals that are eligible, ineligible for Medicaid. Most non-citizens are ineligible for Medicaid and healthcare coverage. And now we're having asylum seekers coming in as well. So we're looking at um, increasing reimbursements and dealing with the increasing demand for dementia, Alzheimer's care, supportive living facilities are also um, struggling and they want to convert existing beds to receive an enhanced rate to providing advanced services as well. So overall with the budget and funding, there, there's a lot of moving parts. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on this Facebook Live. I'm happy to talk to you in person about it all. A lot of moving parts that are going into the budget. I'm just highlighting a few here. Um, if you wanted to look at, if you're interested, we passed several years ago a bill with regards to the Chicago public schools. Back in the 90s, Chicago public schools were elected by, by elected school boards, just like everybody else. However, the General Assembly changed that and made it an appointed school board appointed by the mayor. Now, in these past years, we have now reversed that, and it is, again, going to be an elected school board. So the General Assembly worked on and is proposing a map of the 20 districts for the Chicago School Board. Uh, so the map must be adopted by July 1, 
Chicago is the only school board in the state, like I said, with an appointed board, and the changes go into effect in November 2024. Now, in 2024, 10 districts will be elected, and the mayor will appoint 10 members and the president. The entire board will be elected beginning in November 2026. So in case you're interested, uh, the Chicago Elected School Board map is out there. We can certainly um, add a link to the Facebook if you're interested in looking at them. They are online as well. You can find them with a Google search. So uh, definitely that is how, uh, how things are progressing with regards to the Chicago School Board. Um, on Thursday, uh, we I was honored and, and uh, posted some photos from the tribute to our fallen officers. And um, we just had another officer shot and killed. Uh, it, it was a, a you know just just a tragedy, and it's um, it really is uh, beyond words. I, there's nothing nothing that I can say to um, to really really describe it. It's 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 horrible, and it's it's so um, so devastating, so devastating. Uh, but our hearts go out to go out to the families of of a fallen officer Ariana Preston. Um, just keeping everybody, you know, keeping all those in our thoughts and prayers. And on on Thursday, on Thursday was the tribute to fallen officers. Every year, the General Assembly, the Governor, and law enforcement they come together. And we pay tribute to the fallen officers and their family. It's outside. Uh, we have the fallen officers memorial. It's outside the Capitol. And uh, the governor read the names of the 12 officers that had died over the last 18 months. So um, it's quite, it's, 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 it's a very, very solemn, a very solemn uh, ceremony. It, as I said, it's outside the state capitol. It's always the first Thursday in May, and that is recognized as Illinois Police Officers Memorial Day. Um, so uh, the, the governor did name the names of the 12 officers who died in our area, or the 12 officers that died from Illinois. Uh, they had died in the past 18 months. Uh, Many of them had passed away from uh, COVID nineteen as part of their as part of their job, and uh, we do uh, and we did pass. And Susanna Mendoza is, has worked very hard. Her brother is a COVID survivor and is going through a lot of a lot of um, challenges from COVID. COVID is a devastating disease, and we are working to pass legislation. I believe it passed the committee in the Senate to recognize COVID-19 uh, for disability benefits. And um, so in our area, we, we represent, I represent DuPage County, Kane County, Will County, and uh, Kendall County. And uh, Deputy Sheriff Michael Queenie passed away. Uh, he was honored from Will County Sheriff's Office. And then here from the Aurora Police Department, uh, Officer Brian Shields and Sergeant Ken Thurman. Uh, both from the Aurora Police Department, uh, they all uh, passed away from contracting COVID uh, in the line of duty. It's um, it's very very tragic, and um, and again, 
to lose uh, all our to lose our officer, which is very very um, very very moving, very very sad, and and um, it shouldn't happen. And then again to uh, lose um, another officer so quickly. So please keep all all in our thoughts and our prayers and during these difficult times and um, ensure that we, we give them the respect. So we also have the Fallen Firefighter Memorial Service that will take place on May 9th tomorrow. Uh, one of the things that um, we're, we're looking at and, and has been talked about and, and we're gonna transition uh, to the judicial system again, um, is is the assault weapon ban? I know a lot of people talk about it. A lot of people have questions about it. Right now, it passed. Uh, the General Assembly signed by the governor. When individuals come up and say it's against the Constitution, that's not up to me or anybody else to decide. But the judicial branch is uh, is the avenue who, who of individuals that are going to decide whether they are whether something is constitutional or not. Uh, as of this date, the assault weapon ban remains in effect throughout the state. Um, the Naperville gun store owner has asked the United States Supreme Court to pause the state's ban on assault weapons and large capacity magazines after the Northern District of Illinois and the Seventh Circuit rejected the owner's request for an injunction on enforcement of the assault weapons ban. So, Justice Amy Conan Barrett asked Naperville to respond to an application by Monday, May 8th. So, Monday, May 8th is uh, today. So, we'll see what happens on May 4th. Judge Frank Easterbrook of the Seventh Circuit granted the state's emergency motion to stay the injunction issued by the Southern District of Illinois last week. So plaintiffs have until May 9th to respond to the motion and are specifically instructed that any response should discuss two prior decisions of the court upholding firearm bans. So again, individuals come up to me and they say, this is constitutional, this is not constitutional. Uh, there's a discussion regarding that. I'm not a lawyer, first and foremost, uh, nor am I, um, as I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a judge, but these are things that definitely uh, do work to find out, uh, do work in our systems. It's the judicial branch, the legislative branch, and the executive branch. So constitutionality, again, is with the judicial branch. Not to repeat myself, but sometimes it bears repeating that just because somebody writes something on the internet, just because somebody says something is they believe unconstitutional, the deciding factor is the court system. Uh, so then um, moving right along in the judicial sphere is the ComEd case. Uh, former lobbyist Mike McLean, former ComEd CEO and Promajori, retired ComEd Vice President John Hooker, and former comment lobbyist Jay Doherty were found guilty of every count of a nine count indictment. Uh, the four were convicted of conspiracy and bribery to influence and reward former House Speaker Mike Madigan uh, by arranging for jobs and contracts for his political allies and workers and falsifying documents. Much of the case centered around the line between legal lobbying and illegal bribery. Uh, the defendants argued that hiring associates was merely building goodwill. Uh, the government argument argued that more than a decade-long list of benefits given to Madigan's associates were done to corruptly influence Madigan. Uh, following the verdict, uh, the U.S. attorney 
uh, Morris Pasquale warned those involved in business and politics to seek advice on where the legal lines are because anyone who crosses into bribery will be on the radar. Sentencing will occur in January 2024. Uh, as a result, there's been uh, several pieces of legislation that have been signed, signed into law with regards to ethics, ethics reform last year or last uh, General Assembly session. Furthermore, we are looking at uh, the Illinois Housing Department Development Authority announced $15 million grants funding to support affordable housing and community revitalization efforts. Now, again, the, the state works with the federal um, housing development authorities as well. So we work together to re with regards to some of these grants that we are giving out. Uh, we also are looking at the Department of Innovation and Technology has announced a new webinar series to promote diversity in technology procurement each month on the third Wednesday at 10 a.m. So we can certainly uh, send you the link if you're interested with regards to that. Uh, the Department of Insurance announced a new ad campaign highlighting mental health parity. The radio, digital, and social media ads raise awareness about mental health parity to help Illinoisans better understand their rights related to health insurance coverage for mental health and substance use disorders under the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act, which was passed. So this requires health insurance to provide coverage for mental health and substance use disorders that is no more restrictive than coverage for physical health conditions. So this is so important, and a lot of people don't know that's out there. So I encourage you to look into um, making sure that your health insurers. Now, uh, keep in mind that Illinois passed this law. So it's with um, insurance companies that service Illinois. If you're in an insurance company that services multiple states, uh, most likely this state law would not apply because um, of interstate commerce and, and all the laws under the federal government. But um, there are several health insurance plans that uh, service Illinois only and these laws would cover, uh, would be covered and should be implemented with regards to these plans. You can go to the Department of, uh, the Illinois Department of Insurance website to get more information with regards to that. And then finally, we touched on this earlier, uh, the Illinois Department of Public Health announced today that the CDC is reporting that all counties in the state are low community level for COVID-19. This week, this comes after four counties were listed at medium community level last week. Uh, so definitely all the all the numbers are coming down um, with vaccines. COVID-19 um, has been uh, reduced to, as I said before, low community level for COVID-19. So and as I said earlier, federal and state COVID emergencies will come to an end May 11th. So COVID-19 was the third leading cause of death in 2020 and 2021, and was the fourth leading cause of death in 2022. So we lost a lot of individuals to COVID-19. It's um, a lot of people are still struggling from the long-term effects of COVID-19. Uh, and we definitely uh, need to ensure that uh, everybody um, is careful still. And uh, and I can only speak for myself, myself, my family were vaccinated and uh, definitely it's still out there. Still gotta be careful, but um, it's come down a long way. And so um, it's pretty happy, pretty happy with regards to that. 
We are looking at um, we were looking at numbers, and and this goes a little bit to the legislative side with regards to insurance rates. So the five biggest auto insurers in Illinois have raised rates uh, a whopping five hundred twenty-seven million since January. Uh, and so these insurers, State Farm, Allstate, Progressive, Geico, and Country Financial, make up 62% of the Illinois market. And so several representatives are looking at uh, this uh, exceedingly high amount of car insurance rates for the Illinois area and um, looking at legislation to try to mitigate some of that. Um, and so what we are looking at is, is legislation to help that, but, you know, Really, it's it's disappointing when the legislature has to come in and we have to regulate these things. But that's what government does is when companies look to make uh, exceedingly amount of money off of uh, residents, everyday residents, that we have to come in and we regulate. That's one of the jobs of government. Other items, we are still struggling. Uh, just was released a report, several reports land on my desk just to give you a little bit of an update. There was a report by the National Center for Health Statistics, National Vital Statistics System. So that's, I know, a long title, but it, it the rate of drug overdose deaths linked to fentanyl has skyrocketed over the last five years. The deaths by heroin has dropped. Uh, the rate of overdose deaths involving fentanyl spiked 279% between 216 and 221. Um, and, and it's just staggering. Uh, and drugs that used to make up the majority of overdose deaths, heroin, oxycodone, saw declines in their rates of death. So the CDC said that the decrease in heroin-related deaths is linked to the increased treatment for people who use heroin. Uh, the state has passed a lot of uh, a couple pieces of legislation with regards to mitigating overdose and having um, supplies available if somebody is overdosing. But fentanyl is a drug with the highest overdose death rates, with rates highest among those between ages 35 and 44. Um, and that's really concerning. So uh, I'm I know that it's uh, something that the General Assembly is looking at all the time to try to save lives. And then another study that comes across our desk uh, from the Mayo Clinic found that um, the U.S. economy is actually losing $26.6 billion a year due to lost productivity and health expenses resulting from employees who are managing menopause symptoms. Now, this is interesting. Uh, the report states that finding they, the critical need to improve medical care to provide uh, to women with menopause symptoms an opportunity to make the workplace environment more supportive of women going through this universal life stage. Uh, so that's another interesting thing with regards to women's healthcare. There is the, there is a significant differences and, and the healthcare system needs to take into account those differences as well. The U.S. Surgeon General released an advisory calling attention to the public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and lack of connection. So it cites recent research showing that approximately half of U.S. adults experience loneliness every day. Loneliness every day. And insufficient social connection has been linked to the increased risk of heart disease, stroke, anxiety, depression, and dementia. So 
what we get, and, and, and we get these on the state level that we can look at, and, and, and the national level gives us this information. We have a lot of avenues for information. Um, and what this advisory lays out a framework for the national strategy to advance social connection, which provides recommendations for individuals, governments, workplaces, health systems, and community organizations that aim to increase social connection and improve overall health. So uh, it includes training for healthcare providers to allow for intervention if a patient has a risk of loneliness, has significant health consequences. Uh, lastly, it calls for a cultivation of a culture of connection. So um, I think it's pretty interesting that uh, we're looking at this, but our government's looking at this, and, and we've seen this escalate. We have more social media. I'm coming to you off Facebook Live. We're not meeting in person. Um, again, we, you know, we, we review... Uh, meeting in person now that COVID and all those have all those emergency orders are are coming down on May 11th. We will be looking at restarting up maybe a once a month coffee or connected ness. But um, this has been exasperated by COVID 19. But it, we also see it with regards to overuse of social media and and not really connecting. Um, a text message is not really connection. A phone call, hearing somebody's voice is a lot better of a connection. Um, and it, loneliness also and, and isolation also breed um, depression can lead to somebody taking their own life as well. So it's a very, very important subject. And we have to start um, trying to do a better job with regards to that. Um, so leaving not on that happy note, but we got to do a better job of connecting with people, saying hi to people, um, just being present sometimes. So that's um, one of the things that that we look at as well um, with regards to mental health and making sure individuals get the mental health care that they need. Other than that, I want to say congratulations to the uh, local elected officials that got sworn in. Some got sworn in last week. Um, I know the mayor of Chicago is getting sworn in, I believe, next week, sworn into office. Um, school board members are getting uh, sworn into office. So the transition of, of uh, the election results are underway. So those that have new elected officials, be sure to reach out to them on the local level. Uh, as you might know, all our elections on the state level, the county levels are going to be next year. So, but you know, reach out, find out who's representing you on your local school board, on your local village, town, or your city, or, um, you know, who's representing you. It's very important for you guys to know. With that, I need to cut this Facebook Live short. It is 9.35, and again, uh, we are due in session later this afternoon, and so I have to hit the road and get into my office back in Springfield. So, um, we had a couple of dust storms. We talked about it a little bit. And uh, hopefully with the rain, and, and I know it's raining here, might be raining back down there. But when traveling the roads, always be careful with regards to that as well. So be careful. COVID's still out there. Community level's low. Thank goodness. That's wonderful. We had great weather over the weekend. Hopefully we'll have great weather ahead. Be careful when you're driving. And everybody, uh, take care. And finally, I want to thank everybody that came to the mobile DMV event we had on Saturday. This was the first time we did it. 
Um, definitely, it was a success. People were coming in. You could get your uh, your real ID, which, uh, believe it or not, I've been so busy. I was able to go to the mobile DMV and get veteran finally put on my license plate or my my driver's license and uh, bring in my real ID paperwork and get all those. Uh, and and I got a vehicle sticker. So I I know I use it. Many people use it for vehicle stickers. Uh, many people, a uh, couple of people use it for real ID. We had uh, a steady flow of individuals coming in and out. And so thank you to everybody that came on Saturday to the mobile ID, mobile DMV. And also we want to thank Fox Valley Mall for opening up their space. We were able to, to use their Perks Lounge and it worked wonderfully. And so thank you to the Fox Valley Mall as well for hosting our event. So with that, thank you for tuning in. Uh, good morning to Roger and Meta and Cheryl. And uh, thanks for the wishes to drive safe. I do try to um, really adhere uh, to uh, to all the driving going down I-55 with a lot of trucks. It, it can be kind of, and the wind, it can be kind of, um, I can, for lack of a better word, it, it, it challenging is, is the word that comes to my mind. It can be challenging because you have trucks, you have the wind, uh, and you have um, you know a steady flow of traffic. And now we have construction. So there are two seasons in Illinois, winter and construction. So we are in construction season, but the roads will be better when they're done. So take care, everybody. Be well and be safe.